Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. I'm Luann Prater. And I'm Rachel Olson. And every week we gather around this table and we talk about different things. You know, there's always some topic that comes up and Oftentimes we ask you, what's going on in your life? What do you want to talk about? And I know there are a lot of folks going through midlife crisis. <laughs> Rachel, can you relate? Oh, yes. Yes. So my husband and I, we're, we're at the, the middle age point of our lives, right? We've, we've entered the 40s. And so... Rick does not yet have a red convertible and an unbuttoned shirt and chains hanging down his neck, but, um, uh, and I'm I'm hoping we we dodge that. But yeah, I I've seen him, you know, kind of have some some midlife crisis sort of issues. I've had them. You know, it's always interesting to me to watch the the men deal with their midlife crises. Uh, so many of the uh, guys that I know here in my community, it's like they hit middle age and suddenly they feel the need to like join a CrossFit gym and and start flipping tires over. <laughs> for exercise um, or they start a bunch of my friends have started these Spartan races you know where they're going to run through the mud and all these you know military type you know crawl on their stomach you know I'm like we can't just go out for a jog we got to flip tires and go through the mud and you know I, I think that's just I think it's a little bit of the midlife crisis thing right like I don't oh no I'm about to lose all my strength and all my virility and all my manhood and whatever you know so uh, I, my midlife crisis does not involve flipping tires or running through the mud. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I went through mine. I bought a Mazda Miata years ago. I was having a pity party one day. My husband took me for a drive, and there she was, sitting in the yard. Someone was selling her, and I said, pull over, pull over, pull over. <laughs> Little red Mazda Miata, black convertible top and my husband looked at me shook his head (laughs) we got it we had so much fun in that little car but yeah we we go through different times in our life when all of a sudden we feel like wait a minute things are not they aren't the way I thought they would be and and Rachel I think every single person goes through that They may handle it differently, but every single one of us can look at our life and go, what? I'm here and this is, this is all the farther that I've gotten. I mean, I don't, yes, I thought it was going to be different than this. And, and we, we wake up one day and we're, we're kind of in almost a panic mode. Like, wait a minute, my life is passing me by and, and I just got out of changing diapers or I just. I'm still at the same job that I thought it was just going to be a temporary thing. And here I am 15 years later and I'm still in it. Whatever your crisis moment is, there is some positives that come along with it. You know, that's so true. It does happen to us at at various stages of our life, not just, you know, turning 40 or, or turning 50 or the, you know, the 
stereotypical midlife crisis point. But yes, I remember moving into our last house and I fully thought we would be out of there within five years. And, you know, slowly all of my friends in the neighborhood, they started moving out and moving on and we were still there. And, you know, 17 years later, (laughs) we left our, our starter home neighborhood. You know, we were there much longer than I thought. And I remember, you know, watching the moving van go along and thinking everybody else is, you know, progressing in life. And I feel stuck. Wow. That is a perfect description of what midlife sometimes feels like. You feel stuck. Like, I know uh, these are blessings in my life. I know that you know, there's a lot of good things, but I'm realizing that my life might be half over and, oh my goodness, the best years are behind me. And, and you start panicking. Well, I want to take us to somebody who felt exactly like that. And you may already know who I'm talking about, but maybe you've never thought of him like this. Do you know a guy named Moses? Well, Moses absolutely experienced a midlife crisis. You know, this man had been saved by God. There were horrible things happening across the land, and babies were being taken, and God saved Moses. In such a miraculous way, he He ended up being raised by Pharaoh's daughter. And here he was, an Israelite, being raised in an Egyptian home in a palace with all the wonderful things that that life afforded. And yet, when he one day felt like, okay, I'm an Israelite and and I've got to do something. I've I've got something that's bigger than me and I need to take a stand. And he sees an Egyptian being mean to an Israelite, and he takes it upon himself to kill the Egyptian. And suddenly, he's running for his life. He is, he's a fugitive. And he takes off and runs to another country. And it's when he's in that country, realizes one day he's It says that um, Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. And Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. Now, can you just see? Here he is. Woe is me. Oh, my goodness. The best part of my life is behind me. I've become a foreigner in a foreign land, and this is not how it was supposed to be. And I don't know about you, but when I read that story, I could relate to it. And I'm saying, Moses, I get it. Sometimes we get out there in that foreign land, and we're like, what? How did I get here? And we kind of have a pity party. 
Moses was in a situation for, you know, the first, you know, half of his life, the first, you know, 30, 40 years of his life. He was in a situation that he probably felt like he didn't choose. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the, the Egyptian, you know, the head of the Egyptians was worried about the Hebrews. They were, you know, they were a strong people. Their, you know, population was growing and he was worried that the, um, the Hebrews would overtake the Egyptians because the Egyptians were in power and so he orders this decree for all these little you know baby boys to be destroyed which is just terrible you know genocide here um infant side uh and but you know moses's mom you know quick thinking puts him in the basket puts him in the river floats him down and it just so happens like as you said the pharaoh's daughter finds the sweet little baby and it, you know her heart is moved and she takes the baby and and sort of raises it um in the palace as her own so he grows up as if he were a member of the egyptian royal family although he's not and he is aware that he's not that he's actually a hebrew so i imagine he probably um kind of felt like, you know, wait a minute, what am I doing here? You know, how did I get here? On, on the one hand, this saved him and it was a much better fate. But on the other hand, I imagine he struggled with making peace with where he was at that time and knowing how to sort of accept that, how to, how to be himself. And so, you know, as you said, when he witnesses uh, an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew, you know, he feels affinity for the Hebrew. That's who, who he is in his blood. And um, now he doesn't handle the situation very well because he, he reaches out and, and takes the, the Egyptian's life. And then he goes, you know, on the run. Uh, and so then he's out in the desert. And so now he's, you know, no longer living in this strange palace in this strange culture that's, you know, surrounded by people who don't look like him. But now he's in another strange place, a, a foreigner in a foreign land once again. Sometimes we, we feel that way in life, you know, no matter what situation, we make a change, a change in our job, a change in our, our location, a change in a, a relationship, thinking that we'll feel more at home somewhere else, but we get there and we don't feel more at home either. Mm. And, and I think that if you look at Moses and you say, okay, it's easy to critique him because we get to step back and and read his whole story, but I wonder if someone stepped back and read our whole story, if they would be able to critique us too. Because we all make decisions that take us to that midlife area, and we then have to go, hmm, now what? But here's here's the cool thing. I mean, we're we're not calling this show today the midlife crisis. We're calling it the midlife hero. Because Moses turned his situation around by listening to God. Sure. He spends, after he leaves, you know, flees Egypt after, after committing murder, he spends, you know, like 40 years in the desert. Just, you know, that's where he's wandering around. Woe is me. You know, I've totally blown it. Um, now I'm a foreigner in a foreign land. Uh, 
And so it appears that he, he, he blows, blows his chances or blows the good situation he had there, but he hadn't blown it because God is a master at turning all things around and working all things for good. And, you know, I just wonder at what point did it dawn on Moses that that whole 40 years he spent growing up in the, in the Pharaoh's palace, that he had been saved for a purpose, that he was there as a, as a foreigner, you know, for a reason that God was. Um, had gone ahead and was making a way for deliverance for his people because after 40 years in the desert, you know, you said he was, he, he listened as God spoke to him and said, go back to Egypt. I need you to lead your people out of slavery there. And, you know, I think that is such a critical thing to focus in on because so many of us have some awful things that happened in our past. I, or we have... You know, any anything that's in our past that we w- can point to and say, oh, I remember that turned the tide for me. That little choice that I made absolutely redirected my life. And when we look back, we can kind of look back with regret. But if we do what Moses did, and maybe we're in the middle of the 40 years right now, and we're just kind of mulling around all those things and maybe feeling woe is me here I am but if we lean in and go okay God I want to hear you speak to me and tell me that you can do something good out of what I went through Rachel you and I both know that our stories from our life have been used as a powerful tool in the hands of God. And that's exactly what God did with Moses. He knew that Moses had the he he had the knowledge of what the palace life was all about because God allowed him to be there. And so even though that might have felt foreign to Moses at the time that he lived there, He understood it. And so when God heard his people groaning about the way they were being treated in in their slave life in Egypt, he looked down and he talked to Moses. And Moses could have said, wait a minute, I'm who am I? Which he did, by the way, he argued with God. And God knew that for such a time as this, Moses was ready. He had kind of emptied Moses out of himself. And sometimes it takes a long time for us to get there. You know, Moses was so full of spit and vinegar, as my grandpa would say, when he was a young man that he took matters into his own hands by by choosing to take the Egyptian's life. So when God allowed him to wander through the desert, he kind of got empty of himself. And that's exactly the place God wants us to be so that he can say, okay, now, now I can use you in a way you would never have dreamed. And Moses leaned in and listened. Yeah, and that's what's amazing. So it's like Moses blew it big time, right? Because, you know, the the Hebrews, you know, their commandment, thou shalt not murder. 
And so he, he had blown one of the big main commandments and he knew it and he flees, you know, he leaves what family he did know in Egypt and, um, you know, flees and he's out there 40 years, 40 more years. So he's now 80 and he's still out in the desert. It's been 40 years since he set foot in Egypt and he probably assumes that he's done for, right? Right. So, you know, my, you know, he's just, I don't know, puttering around his garage, fooling with his golf clubs, thinking this is, <laughs> this is all it is. Maybe I'll get to play a round of golf this weekend. <laughs> That's all I have to look forward to. I'm of no use. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so, but God, you know, then appears to him in this miraculous way, you know, the, the burning bush, you know, this sort of angel speaking through fire, um, you know, located over this bush and he, he hears it and, and it, and he's told that you're going to be, you know, used, you're going to deliver the, you know, God's people and lead them out of their captivity and lead them into a, a, a land flowing with milk and honey. Like you're going to, you're going to a land of milk and honey and you're going to lead the entire people out of slavery into that land of milk and honey. And so I'm sure Moses is thinking, I don't know if I can do that. I I can't even, you know, get the ball in the hole with a three iron. And I, (laughs) I don't know if you saw that God, but I totally messed things up 40 years ago when I was there last. I don't think, you know, anybody's going to be happy to see me there. (laughs) So he's thinking it's over. It's done for. I'm on the long, you know, decline uh, to, to the grave and I've um, no use to God or anyone else now. But your, you know, your point that that 40 years had totally, Totally emptied him of himself means that actually now you're the perfect vessel. Absolutely. And when you when you hear how Moses responded, he kept saying, "Please send somebody else. I'm not the guy. I mean, I am all washed up, and I can't speak right. I can't do this. I'm not. I, I just don't think I'm the one." And how many times? Do we do that? We get to the midlife area of time in our life and we say, oh, well, I could have been, I could have been a contender if I, if I would have done it when I was, you know, right out of college, if I would have taken off and conquered the world. And don't we all feel like we're going to make such a stamp on the world as soon as we're in our 20s? Boy, we're going to do it. And when the 30s come and then the 40s and you haven't done it, then you feel like, well, it's for the younger people. I I can't possibly be of any use. And God says, no, no, no. I don't want anybody else. You're the one. Tell them I am sent you. Rachel, I believe that the gals that are listening today are listening on purpose. Because I know without a shadow of a doubt, there are some that have hugged my neck within the last week who have said, I, I used to be in the corporate world and now I'm just a mom. I used to do this and, and now I, I just feel like my life is slipping by. And I used to, and I always thought that, and, and now I don't know where life is headed. I want to encourage you right now. God put this particular part of Moses' life in the Bible so that you would find it today. 
He could have just told us about Moses being a baby that was saved, and then voila, Moses goes on to free his people. But he allowed us to see this wandering part, this I'm lost in the desert, I'm having a midlife crisis, and I don't know if I've messed everything up for good. And God put that story there so you could see no matter what your past has in the rearview mirror, God will use your life and your circumstances if you choose to lean in and listen and then obey. Sure, because, you know, he and his brother Aaron at age 80 and 83, they do go back to Egypt and they do confront the Pharaoh and things get very, very dicey. There's all these, you know, plagues and there's, you know, frogs and there's flies and there's, um, you know, locusts and the water turns to blood and all of these things happen as, as God progressively tries to test Pharaoh and get him to, um, you know, yield and submit and, and Pharaoh would not. And so, you know, it, it comes to a head and Moses leads the people out of, of Egypt in the very, very famous story, you know, of the parting of the Red Sea and he leads them right through it. And, you know, that's to, to be the, the person, to be the guy leading the people through a parted Red Sea, you know, out of slavery and into the promised land. Amazing. Uh, But it doesn't even end there for Moses. You know, when you keep reading Moses' story, he goes up on the mountain. He spends 40 days with God, uh, communing directly with God and is given, um, you know, the the, the commandments. I mean, he, he really played such a key role. I'm sure along about, you know, year 50 or 60 out there in the desert, you know, Moses thought, well, well, this is pretty much it, but oh my goodness, God had so much more in store. And he has so much more in store for every single one of us. And here's the thing. Once Moses realized, oh my word, this is the Lord speaking to me and I have a choice now. I can continue to question, which you know, Moses did. And I love the fact that that God allows us to see that part of Moses too, where he kept going, no, I, I can't do this. I can't speak. And God was very patient with him and kept saying, you can do this. You can do this. And so after all of that, I love what God says to him. So now go. <laughs> it's pretty plain. It's in chapter 3, verse 10 of Exodus. God says, so now, go. You know, it's three words. And Moses at that moment could have said, I'm not doing it. I've blown it. I'm just going to stay here and tend sheep for the rest of my life. Right. Who's going to water my tomatoes if I go? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You have a choice when God calls you to do something outside of your mindset. And Moses was in a mindset, but he really, he was in that place of feeling empty. So when God said, okay, I've answered all your objections, buddy. You can't throw me one more curveball. It's time to get off 
the curb and get over there and start going where I'm telling you to go. So he just says, so now go. And Moses went. And so here is your charge this week. If you have been having a pity party, if you have been saying, oh, woe is me, if you've been Eeyore in the Winnie the Pooh storybook, and you've just been saying, oh, no, here I am. I want you to look at this story. I want you to read about Moses. And I want you to say, okay, Lord, I am in that empty place in my life right now. When you tell me to go, give me the courage to do it. Go be the midlife hero in your world. And may the God of hope give you the courage to encourage others. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. Let's continue our conversation. Hop online when you get a chance to sit down and breathe at encouragementcafe.com. Remember, this is God's ministry, so we ask for your prayers as we reach out to women in Jesus' name. We'll see you back here next week where we fill you up one cup at a time. Encouragement Cafe would like to send you our coloring book devotional for a gift of any amount. Find out how to get your copy at encouragementcafe.com.